All right, amen. Would you turn to Matthew chapter 6 tonight? Matthew chapter 6. Page 1116, 1116, 1116. Tonight we're going to consider what Jesus taught about prayer. So let's pray (laughs) that we may understand what Jesus teaches about prayer and how to apply it to our lives. Father, we give you now our attention. We ask that you would speak to us plainly, clearly, powerfully from your word. Lord, what a privilege we have to be in a relationship with you, to have access to you. I pray that we would make the most of that. So teach us, Lord. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. I think we would all agree tonight that prayer is a very important discipline for us as Christians, right? Do we all agree with that? Good. There are many, many books that have been written about prayer, and certainly we should seek to be good at prayer. But tonight, let's just look at the simple teaching of Jesus on prayer in this very wonderful excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus keeps it very simple. And so let's begin reading. Look at verse 5. Jesus said, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. Okay, I want you to see some very important principles about prayer right here from this task, this text tonight. And first of all, let's let's be sure we all understand what prayer is. It's a very simple concept to understand. Prayer is simply you talking to God. You speaking to God. It's you expressing your heart, your feelings, your requests, your plans, your dreams, your concerns, your hurts to God. And don't make it any more complicated than that. 
It's you talking with your maker. Prayer is not a religious exercise only to be practiced by religious experts. It does not require seminary training. It does not require a specific posture. You don't have to have your head bowed, your eyes closed, hands clasped, or on your knees. Prayer does not require religious language. Prayer does not require a prayer voice. You don't have to speak any louder or any softer. Prayer is simply you talking to God honestly, openly, the way you talk. And it really is this marvelous wonderful blessing that we share in this intimate relationship with God. You can talk to him anytime you want about anything that you want wherever you might be. And please know God is always available. He is always interested in you. Always. You never bug him. Think of that. Prayer is us, you, talking to God. Okay, second principle. According to Jesus here in this text, prayer is an expected discipline of his followers. If you're a Christian here tonight, then you are expected To be someone who prays, someone who talks to God. I want you to notice the word when in our text. It shows up three times. Verse 5, and when you pray. Does it say if you pray? What does it say? When you pray. Verse 6, but you when you pray, not if. Verse 7, and when you pray, not if. You see, prayer is when. It's not if. And that's important. If you're a Christian here tonight, it's expected of you. Prayer should be an absolute regular part of the way you live your Christian life. And there are different ways for sure that we pray. There are times of prayer that I would classify as formal times of prayer. This would be where you as a Christian set aside set aside time to be alone with the Lord, maybe in the morning or in the evening. Many Christians refer to this as a quiet time. You read your Bible and you pray. Very, very important that you do that. And by the way, Jesus really highlights that method here in this text. Other formal ways, maybe you pray with your spouse weekly or you pray with your family in formal times of prayer. I think as Christians, we should certainly carve out formal times of prayer with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Maybe at a midweek Bible study or in a church gathering, a small group. That should characterize our lives, formal times of praying. But then there are these other ways to pray that I would simply refer to as informal, spontaneous ways of praying. And the idea is this, Christian. Recognize that you are never alone 
recognize that you are always in the presence of God, that his presence is with you, and dialogue with him all day. It's the idea of recognizing that he's with you and, and you fellowship with him. Always conversing with him. Maybe when you're driving, especially when you're driving, right? <laughs> Riding a bike, exercising, taking that walk, downtime at work. I believe that's what Paul was speaking of when he commands us in 1 Thessalonians 5. Pray without ceasing. In other words, prayer should be expected of us formally, but also informally. Really, as a Christian, your whole environment should be prayer. Somebody put it this way beautifully. Practice the presence of God in your life. Remember, moment by moment, you're not alone. The Lord is with you. And talk to him. Like breathing should become natural. So prayer is expected for his people. Okay. Number three, I want you to notice, and this is so important, this is the formal way of praying, I believe, that Jesus is speaking of. My brother and sister in Christ, give yourself to private prayer time. Make sure that that is a discipline in your life. It says in verse 6, when you pray, go into your room and when you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Now Jesus is speaking about these, these ancient homes where you could go inside and you go into the innermost chamber, the smallest room. There's no windows. It has a door. You go into that very secret place all by yourself, and you pray privately. I personally believe that private prayer should be the bulk of our praying. And it's absolutely a must. Find those secret, private places to pray to your Father. Maybe it's Maybe it's a prayer closet. Maybe it's a sofa before everyone gets up in the morning. Amen, Mom? Right? Maybe it's a patio. Maybe it's your, your special place. If you remember, the Gospels tell us that Jesus would get up early in the mornings and go up onto a mountainside, a hill. And have a seclusive private prayer time with his father. That's a must. We need that. And I, I personally believe that that's the engine. It's the engine of the Christian life. It, it's, it's the spark. I love what it says. There's a promise. When you have shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You'll meet God there. You'll know his presence. 
It is supernatural. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. Do you remember in the Old Testament where we read that Moses would spend private alone time with God in the tent of meeting? And remember when he would leave the tent after having his private time with the Lord? The scripture says that his face would glow. So much so that they had to put a veil. Hey, you're, you're too bright. When you have that alone time in that secret place with your father, that's what gives you the glow. It really does. That's what gives you, I mean, you leave and you go about your day and, and you're good. Private prayer time. Let that be a consistent discipline in your life. Okay. Principle number four, when you do pray in public, out loud, don't pray to impress people. Don't pray for admiration. Don't pray for pats on the back. The Pharisees, they would pray hypocritical prayers like that. They would pray showy prayers. Jesus is speaking about them in verse 5. When you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. The Pharisees loved attention. They loved to be seen as the holy guys. And so at their synagogue services, you know, you get a lot of people packed there, and at the time of prayer, these guys would get up, stand before the crowd, maybe put a prayer shawl over, or some would stand with their hands stretched out, and they would begin to, to, to pray these long, flowery, drawn-out, pretentious prayers. There would be times when they were out in the marketplace, and comes the hour of prayer, right there in a busy market, right there in the mall, say. And the time of prayer comes, and these guys would stop what they were doing on the corner. Again, put their prayer shawls on, stretch out their hands, and pray in public. These long, drawn-out prayers. And, of course, people would see them and go, wow, that's one holy man, right? Look at them pray. Look how good they are. And they loved it. They ate it up. It was a show. Yeah, don't pray like that in public. They were hypocrites. By the way, the the word hypocrisy means putting on a mask. The actors would put on masks on stage and act. That's what they did, and all they wanted was that attention. Okay, this passage is not against public prayer. We should pray in public. We should get to the point where we can pray out loud in a group of people. And there should be public prayer from a pulpit in a church. But don't pray so that afterwards you can hear people say, wow, that was a great prayer. Wow, you're real devoted. Don't pray that way. Don't pray for that purpose. You know, your public praying should be a real simple extension of your private praying. Same kind of heart. 
Okay? All right. Principle number five, and this is a very, very important one. Avoid mindless repetition of formulaic prayers when you pray. What it says in verse 7, when you pray, do not use what? Vain repetitions as the heathen do. Literally in the Greek, it's saying when you pray, don't prattle. Don't keep repeating the same thing over and over and over again. The Greek word is fascinating. Bato logeo. Logos word. Batos means stammering, babbling, chattering. Some believe that the origins of this word trace back to a king by the name of Batus, who established Cyrene many, many years ago. That king was a stutterer, and he was also uh, you know, a self-proclaimed poet. He wrote poetry, and it says his poet made no sense whatsoever. They were totally wordy, nothing there. Don't pray like that. Your prayer life should not consist of you just reciting a bunch of prayers over and over again. How many of you recognize this prayer? Now I lay me down to sleep. Can you say it with me? I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray to God my soul to take. If I should live for other days, I pray the Lord to guide my ways. That's a great prayer, isn't it? And that's a wonderful, beautiful prayer to teach your child as they're growing up. But you need to graduate from that prayer. What if you just kept praying that prayer over and over? It becomes meaningless. Avoid praying like that. Don't get caught up in just reciting a bunch of prayers that you're not even thinking about. I've been to several funerals where I've heard, and, you know, forgive me if I offend, but I've heard the rosary being prayed at these funeral services. And there's a prayer that they repeat over and over. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. They repeat that 53 times. Okay, there's so much wrong with that. First of all, we're not supposed to pray to Mary, amen? And then praying it 53 times? I mean, I got, I almost, it was crazy. Over and over and over again, what are you doing? It is in direct conflict with what Jesus says when he says, do not use vain repetitions. Don't babble the same thing over and over and over and over again, mindlessly. Don't pray like that. How about the Lord's Prayer? We're about to look at the Lord's Prayer. 
Many of you know it. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. In the rosary, they do repeat that five times. But again, is that a prayer meant for us to just repeat over and over and over again? We just keep saying the Lord's Prayer. No, it says in verse 9, in this manner, therefore, pray. The Lord's Prayer is a model. It's an outline. Your prayer life shouldn't consist of just continually repeating our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. There was a kid who, you know, tried to pray that prayer, and he said, our Father who are in heaven, how'd you know my name? (laughs) And what's so funny is nobody even caught it. They just kept going. A lot of times you can babble a prayer and not even know what you're saying. Listen. Our prayer should be fresh. It should be dynamic. Gang, listen, it should be open expressions of honesty. Exactly what we're feeling at that moment. Communicate your heart. Be real. Don't hide behind liturgy. So don't pray like that. And now Protestants, we need to be very careful. A lot of times we get habitual in our prayers. Sometimes as Christians, we'll say the same thing over and over and over and over again, right? Come on, man. Don't become just a a playback device. Let it be real. And by the way, when we pray, it doesn't have to be long, drawn out. You don't have to keep repeating. You can be very brief. It's been said, never use a gallon of words to express a spoonful of thought. And that is also true in prayer. Okay. Very important principles. It is you talking to God. It's expected of you as a Christian. Pray formally, informally. Pray privately. If you pray in public, do so humbly. And don't babble. Don't use vain, empty repetition. May your words be real and honest and to the point. Okay, what about the content of prayer? What should we pray about? All right, well, let's look at the famous prayer. The Lord's Prayer in verse 9. In this manner, therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. All right, break that down. What do we see? What what does Jesus tell us to pray? What should be a part of our prayers? Well, for sure, when you pray, you should worship the Lord. 
a lot of your prayer time should be devoted to simply worshiping God. I love how the prayer starts. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how it starts. Hallowed be your name. Holy be your name. Set apart, Lord, is your name. God, your name is set apart from everyone else. You're on a different level. That's worship. I also like how the prayer ends in the statement of worship. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Folks, let that be a big part of your prayer. Just simply worshiping God for who he is and what he's done. Worshiping him, uh, reverencing him, honoring him respecting him, acknowledging his greatness, his holiness, his omnipotence, his omniscience, his omnipresence, his grace, his mercy, his love, his sovereignty. Spend time worshiping him. Big part of prayer. And by the way, when when you do that, your whole perspective of whatever you might be facing in life will change. You'll, you'll be reminded of how big God is and how small your problem is. Worship the Lord. Secondly, when you pray, pray for God's will to be done. He tells us specifically to do that, doesn't he? Verse 10, your kingdom come... Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now again, I think that is awesome that it's right up there at the front of the prayer. It's like Jesus is telling us when we pray, get something settled right at the beginning. Surrender yourself to God's will. Acknowledge that you want God's will to be done when you pray. So important. I think that should be the caveat over every prayer that we pray. In Jesus' name, your will be done. Amen? Do not see prayer as you lobbying God for your interest. Prayer is not about you getting your will done in heaven as it is on earth. Prayer is about getting God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. And you find out when you pray, it's all about trying to find God's will, not imposing your will. Prayer really is about trying to listen. And discern what God's will is. And by the way, what is God's will? What do we know God wants to do? What does he want to do on this planet? Well, we know he wants to save people, doesn't he? We know that he cares about people spiritually. And I love what it says right there. Your kingdom come. Pray that. Your kingdom come. That's his will. Lord, your kingdom come to this earth. Your kingdom come to my family. Your kingdom come.
to this community. Your kingdom come to this El Paso city of El Paso. Your kingdom come to America. Your kingdom come to the world. Spend a lot of time, my friend, laboring in prayer for the salvation of other people. Pray that people would come to know Jesus. Pray for the spiritual needs of other people. Pray for God's kingdom. May it spread. May it impact people. Let that be a priority in your, in your, in your prayer life. Labor in it. George Mueller got saved right around 40 years of age. And right when he got saved, he began to pray for a group of five personal friends. After five years, one of them came to Christ. In ten years, two more of them found peace in the Savior. He prayed on for 25 years, and the fourth man was saved. For the fifth, he prayed until the time of his death, and this friend, too, came to Christ a few months afterwards. For this latter friend, Mr. Mueller had prayed almost 52 years. It's awesome. Pray for the salvation of people. Pray. Don't ever give. Oh, don't give up on your loved one. Just keep late. Pray God's kingdom come. And and when you pray this way, you become more spiritually minded. You become more sensitive. You're in your prayer closet and you're praying for people to come to Christ. Your kingdom come and you leave the prayer closet. And guess what? You're looking for opportunities, aren't you? To share God's love with people. Worship the Lord in your time of prayer. Pray for his will to be done. And pray for his kingdom to come. Okay? A third part of prayer. The one that most of us are really, really good at. Provision. Provision. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Now, when Jesus is saying bread here, he's not talking just about food. It was a term in those days that summed up all that was needed for earthly existence. Everything that you might need, all of the basic necessities in this life. Shelter, clothing, food, Water, medical, transportation, certainly in our day and age. Career, job. That is fair game in prayer. Amen? You bring those items before the Lord. You pray about bills. You pray about car problems. You bring those things before the Lord. Now, God is your father, and a good father is a good provider. And your heavenly father cares about those needs in your life. Pray about them. And I think we should also, as Christians, in our daily times of prayer, pray for the physical needs of others. Notice it does say in verse 11, give us. This day, our daily bread, not give me, 
this day my daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. The idea is when you know of other people that are hurting, physically, in need, pray for them. It's good to pray for people's medical needs, financial issues, relationship issues. Pray for that. Now, the problem is that for many Christians, verse 11 is the extent of their prayer life. That's all they do. They just pray for their physical needs, or they just pray for the physical needs of other people. Everything's about praying for whoever needs help. Gang, that's good, but do you see that it's a small part of the prayer? It's a piece. In fact, we just saw that we should be praying for the spiritual needs of people. The salvation of other people. So keep that in mind. Don't, don't, don't let prayer be this gimme, gimme, gimme. Lord, here's my list. Take care of it. And by the way, living in America, which is very affluent, it's sometimes it's really hard to discern between needs and wants. Do I get an amen there? And there is a marketing culture that is very, very good at making you think you need things that you really don't need. The latest gadget, that luxury car that you can't afford but you can go into debt over. careful okay another very 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 important part of prayer the confession of sin asking for the forgiveness of sin verse 12 says and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors oh that's so important in your prayer life in your time of prayer my brother and sister in christ confess your sin Get right, with, get right with the Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Now let's understand. Let's clarify. If you are here tonight and you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior by faith, you know that he died on the cross for your sins and rose again and you've received him. The scripture says that all of your sins have been forgiven. They've been washed away. So this prayer isn't you asking to get saved. Over and over and over again. Oh, forgive me. Save me. No. We are completely forgiven as Christians. However, Christians do still sin, do they not? Even after they get saved. And it's at that point where sin can kind of, in many ways, break not your relationship with God but your fellowship with God. And so now as a son or daughter of God, you come back and, 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 and you admit that you've done something wrong and you ask for restoration. It's a restoration of fellowship. It's not a loss of relationship and then a gain back of relationship. I use the example all the time. I have two sons and daughter. They're related to me, Period. They're never losing their relationship with dad. Ever. When they do something that bugs dad. 
the fellowship with dad is broken. And in order to get that fellowship restored, there needs to be an honest coming back to dad and say, hey, look, I'm sorry, I blew it. Hey, son, I forgive you. Notice I say son, not daughter. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> son, I forgive you, I restore you, and, and then... The fellowship is brought back. Oh, my friends, listen. If you blow it as a Christian, you need to go back to dad. You really do. You need to admit, hey, I, I blew that, Lord. Forgive me. And the Bible says that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I do think, and this is another very important part of prayer. Prayer should be, um, in many ways, a soul-searching experience. You should give time for that. You should give time for reflecting upon your life and examining your life and, and saying, you know, look, these sins that you, you know about, give them to the Lord, confess them. David, in Psalm 139, prayed, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That's a beautiful part of prayer. Lord, I'm not perfect. Lord, I want to serve you better. Lord, I need to be nicer to my spouse, my children, my coworkers. Go through those things with your Lord. So, forgiveness of sin, confession of sin. And then one final piece of content, last but certainly not the least. We need to constantly be praying for spiritual strength, spiritual fortitude. What does it say in verse 12? Excuse me, verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. Big part. Lord, and, and pray this regularly. Lord, help me to see the temptation when it comes. And help me to respond. Help me not to fall. There are some people that take issue with the literal nature of this. Do not lead us into temptation. Is that saying that God leads us into temptation? Does that mean that God entices us to sin? Absolutely not. James chapter 1 says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. You need to see the heart of what's being said here. The same thing that Jesus said to his disciples in the garden. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. The idea is, obviously, as Christians, we enter into temptation. There's temptation every day. There's temptation to sin. There's temptation to steal, to lie, to cheat. And you need to be aware of that. And as a Christian man or woman, when the temptation comes, I believe right at that moment you should pray. But better than that, be praying for strength ahead of time in your prayer closet. 
Lord, today, keep me strong. Lord, today, keep me from temptation. Have an arsenal already welled up. And again, you're praying that, you go out into your day, you're more alert. You're more sensitive. He says, deliver us from the evil one. Literally in the Greek, deliver us from evil. The one is not there in the original language. So it could be, Lord, deliver us from the evil thing. An addiction. An issue. Deliver us from the evil person. Somebody in your life that wants to do you harm. And then, yeah, certainly deliver us from the evil one himself, Satan, and the demons that want to harass us and oppress us. Pray for that strength. Pray for spiritual fortification. Make that a regular part of your prayer journey. Okay, notice, what is the emphasis of this prayer? It's all spiritual. Verse 11, the only one about anything physical. The bulk of the prayer is worshiping God. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. I confess my sin. Make me strong spiritually. Lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the evil. Look at, look at the emphasis of prayer. Look what it's supposed to be about. And yet truly, what do many Christians emphasize in prayer? All the physical. Pray for the spiritual. Let that, let that take priority. And by the way, the best part of prayer is getting to speak with God. Learn to enjoy God in your prayer. You know, you get to spend time with your heavenly father. Pour out your heart. Enjoy his presence. So beautiful. Open your heart to that. You know, I think there's a reason that God doesn't... You know you know how every now and then you get the microwave prayer? Have you ever got that? Where you pray for something and boom. It happens the next day. Those are cool. Microwave prayers. But do we get microwave prayers all the time? If we only got microwave prayer, prayer, what would our prayer life be like? It'd be lame, wouldn't it? Just Lord. I think there are reasons why God doesn't answer all our prayers immediately, quickly. I think there's reasons why we need to labor in prayer. I think God wants our company. I think God wants you to spend time with him. I think he wants to hear from you. So very, very powerful. Um, one other quick thing that I want to share here. We look at these different content, these different ideas about prayer. I, I just, I want to let you know that you don't have to go through all of those every time you pray. 
I don't want to complicate things at all. Um, I don't believe in scripted prayer. So I don't feel like uh, every time you pray, you need to make sure that you're worshiping and then that you ask for God's will and then you pray for your daily bread and then you confess. I, I don't think, I think there are times where all you do in prayer is worship. That's it. I think there are times when, man, you need to get on your knees and confess. I think there are times when, man, you just know that you're weak and you need to pray for strength. And so you pray for spiritual strength. And then I do think there are times in your life where, man, you have a, a, a dire physical need. And you need to get, get, on your, get on your knees and pray for it. You know, these are elements of prayer. Now, when you do have your, your normal time of prayer where you're setting apart time to pray, maybe you could use this as an outline, right? You know, maybe you have a prayer journal. And you kind of go through a list. I'm, I'm going to start with worship. Then right up front, I'm going to pray for God's will. And then I'm going to confess my sins. I'm going to have that soul-searching moment. I'm going to pray for strength. And then I'm going to pray for various needs that I might have or my family members might have. And, and, you know, a lot of times people will keep prayer journals and you go through the list and you pray. And it's also a great idea to record the date that God answers it. Beautiful. And the other thing I would highly recommend as you're having that time of prayer is that Pray with your Bible open. In that time, alone time that you spend with God, take time to read his word and bathe it in prayer. I'll tell you, when you're reading God's word, that's when he'll reveal to you something that needs to change in your life. That's when he'll share with you something that you'll need for that day. And again, it's the engine. This is one of those things that you do not want to neglect. And so, Father, I pray that you would create in us a strong desire to meet with you regularly. God, I pray that the prayer lives here, uh, they'd blossom, that they'd be real. Lord, don't... Don't let those times become uh, legalistic and meaningless. Lord, we thank you tonight for the absolute privilege we have to meet with you. Father, we do worship you tonight. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed is your name. You are great and awesome and mighty. There is none more powerful than you. Father, we do pray tonight that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we pray that your kingdom would come. 
Lord, we pray for the many people we know, family members and friends, others in this community who need you. Lord, I do pray for the physical needs of your people, for those that are here tonight, hurting financially, physically. God, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would provide for them. Lord, as we examine our hearts, we confess our sins before you tonight. Lord, we're honest about it. We're open. We don't want to hide anything. Father, help us to, to, uh, Lord, restore us to yourself. Pray that we'd be hungry, that we would hunger and thirst after righteousness. Father, I pray for spiritual strength tonight. I pray that you would cover this church with a hedge of protection. I pray, Lord, that you would surround each marriage, each family. Lord, I pray that we would be mindful of the temptations. We'd be strong. And Lord, we agree and we declare that yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and we'll close with this song. Bye.
so much better. You're so much better. You're so much kinder than anything we think you are. Your love is deeper. Your love is wider. Open our eyes to see you, Bless Jesus' name. Amen.